This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Going for Goal, the weekly women's health podcast with me, Roisin Devashokane. Today, we're looking at the goal of eating for better mental health, inspired by many responses from an Ask Me Anything we shared in our Instagram stories last week. When we talk about mental health, it's important to get across that there is no silver bullet strategy that you can adopt to get yours in a good place. Maintaining good mental health is a team effort. But whatever lineup works for you, be that running, therapy, calling your mum, logging out of social media or taking medication, nutrition really does deserve a place in that squad. Here to explain why is chartered psychologist Kimberly Wilson, author of new book, How to Build a Healthy Brain. Welcome, Kimberly. Hi there. Great to have you on. So together, we're going to be delving into the latest in-lab developments from the field of nutritional psychiatry. Yes, that's a thing. Uh, to learn what the science says about the relationship that exists between food and feelings. Kimberly will also be sharing the totally doable switches that you can make right now to nourish your neurons and nudge your brain towards a healthier place. Kimberly, so I feel like we should say up front that this isn't just a topic for someone who has received like a formal mental health diagnosis is it no and we should also be really be careful about as you say how we get that message across that it's not that we're saying if you have a salad you're just going to feel better um <laughs> you know that would be insulting and also untrue and unhelpful um but what we are really talking about is how nutrition and food can affect the structure and function of the brain and as an extension of that how we might be able to use nutrition as a supportive or preventative measure in mental health concerns totally so this isn't this isn't putting food out there as some kind of cure Okay, so you have had a interesting, varied career. When did you start becoming interested in the relationship between nutrition and mental health? Um, it was really when I was working in prisons. So when I started my career, I took my first placements and then my first proper job in um, what was at the time Europe's largest women's prison. And I was running the therapy service there. And there was a replication study around that time of an earlier piece of work. And that earlier piece of work was published in 2002. And it showed that with young offenders, you could reduce violence, so incidents of violence in the prison by 37% with a nutritional supplement. Wow. Really, really astonishing stuff. The replication came out around the time that I was starting my career. And there's now been another replication. So another two trials using RCT have found that nutritional supplementation can reduce 
violence in prisons by 20% and then it was at 34%. So on average, 30%. And and so I was astonished. And obviously I thought this was fascinating, important, and really quite a powerful intervention for something that doesn't have side effects, which is cheap, which is accessible, and, and therefore something that I feel like we should be making much more use of. Absolutely. So I think we touched on it before when we're talking about nutritional psychiatry. We've kind of defined what it isn't and what it isn't is saying, hey, have a salad and it'll fix everything. (laughs) Omega-3 fatty acids are fine, throw away your antidepressants. Um, But what is it? So the field of research is the understanding the impact of food and nutrients on brain structure and function, and therefore whether it has a role in aspects of behaviour or mental illness. Brilliant, thank you. And what are some of the what are some of the key developments at the moment? Well, it's it's really it's a very young field, but it's really a booming field. So one of the big landmark studies was what's called the Smiles trial, and that was published in 2017. Now, and again, that was the first RCT, so a, a causal relationship demonstrating study that found that nutritional improvement could reduce depression. So in this trial, what they did was to take a group of people who already had a clinical diagnosis of depression and also had a clinically defined poor diet. So one that was low in fibre, one where there wasn't very much fruit and vegetables. And again, they split them into two groups and had one group have social support. And we know that social support improves mental health. You know, having connections with people, talking to people can make you feel better. We know that. Um, But they were the control group. And the other group got 12 weeks of uh, meetings with a dietitian and food boxes to help them improve their diet to something approximating the Mediterranean style diet. So lots of fruit and vegetables, Mm. whole grains, nuts, legumes, you know, and um, plenty of oily fish. But after just three months, what they found was that a third of the people in the group who were you know, they'd been on treatment, they were receiving either medication or psychotherapy. Um, But a third of the group went into remission, which means they no longer had clinically um, defined depression. This is an extraordinary finding. And particularly in the context that depression is now the leading cause of global disability, which means more people are suffering with loss of satisfaction from life, poor function, you know, uh, loss of quality of life from depression than any other illness. So it's really one of the driving factors for global mental health concern. And as I say, no, we're not saying that food is the problem for everyone because there are lots of different causes and triggers and contributors to depression. But it's certainly a powerful finding to think that at least for some people, that improvements in diet or you know, getting the right nutrients might be really, really supportive for their mental health. And something so simple. Yeah. We eat every day. Anyway, it's not you doing something big and revolutionary. And what I found with the foods that you use, it's nothing, there's no foods that you couldn't pick up in Tesco. No. And it's about, the, the thing about this kind of intervention is that it's probably our most accessible intervention for mental health concerns, right? Not everybody can have access to a psychologist or a psychiatrist or just a mental health team. Um, Not everybody wants or can tolerate psychotropic medications. You know, it's it's not necessarily accessible. And then sometimes the side effects can make that an untenable um, treatment for some people. But yes, we all eat. We all eat several times a day. And so we all have 
the at least the opportunity to make little shifts and nudges in the direction of something that's going to be a little bit more brain supportive. And that's really the kind of message that I'd like people to take, that it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a huge overhaul. Um, in the SMILES trial, for example, they allowed what they called extra food, so fried foods and sweets and cakes, up to about three times a week, so that even on the trial, people were eating these foods every other day and That's still so got helpful. these input. Yeah, so right? there's some allowance even within the study for... You can still live your life. Being right? a human. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> you can still go out and have birthday cake with your friend. Like So that message of accessibility and really a, a very gentle middle ground it doesn't have to be at the extremes is one that you sometimes miss in some of this research and I think it's really important that people understand that this isn't as I say about completely transforming your life and doing a complete overhaul of your diet and cutting things out it's much more important about the things that you put in rather than the things that you're cutting out yeah that's a really positive way of looking at it and when we think of some of the key areas at the moment i'm thinking perhaps of like the gut mind connection what have we found out about that in recent years that is Mm -hmm. influencing the way that experts are saying we should think about Um, feeding ourselves for our mental health? Mm -hmm. Well, there's a tremendous amount that we don't yet know about uh, the impact of the gut on the brain. We're just kind of scratching the surface, isn't (laughs) it? I think the researchers (laughs) think maybe we're 1% in, you know, really, really right at the beginning. But one of the things that does seem to be consistent is that A, you're better off getting a diverse range of foods. And that seems to be not just good for the gut, but also good for the brain. Uh, But also the the big question is around uh, what's called inflammation. So inflammation is the body's response, the immune system's response to illness or injury. And really the gut is this kind of central hub of the immune system. Around 70% of your kind of white blood cells are in and around the gut. And that makes sense because the gut is the main access point for anything that might do you harm, right? If it's a spoiled Mm -hmm. piece of meat or, you know, some other kind of foodborne bug, it's going to get in that way. So you want your immune system to be ready to, to address an issue that might arise. But what we know about a poor diet, and when we say poor diet, I mean one that's low in fibre, is that what that can do is to make the gut more vulnerable and can raise this inflammation. And it's this state of inflammation that actually can trigger inflammation in the brain. And when we wow. get neuroinflammation, then we have these additional risks of things like depression, but also we know neuroinflammation is associated with things like schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and, and Alzheimer's disease, dementias. So again, that's not to say that we can fix these things with food but to say that they all play a part and that the health of the brain is the health of the whole body Mm. and that you need to be thinking more broadly about how you're taking care of yourself that the brain doesn't just sit in a jar all by itself completely unaffected (laughs) by what's happening in the rest of the body that the brain is profoundly affected by what you eat how much sleep you get. And we we can see that every day, right? As soon as you have a glass of wine, you suddenly have this profound effect on your brain, right? It's, it's this immediate effect. And food has the same capacity to affect the brain. It's just that it does it at a much lower level. It's, it's, it accumulates much more slowly. So people don't really appreciate that food yeah. can have these profound brain effects in the same way that perhaps we can think of alcohol or caffeine. Mm. So it seems like from what you're saying, eating for your mental health you don't just do it in a vacuum. And 
seems that what you would be doing to eat to improve your mental health is probably going to be improving other things mm-hmm. elsewhere in your diet. Would you agree then that it's all kind of connected? Yeah, it absolutely should all be connected, right? Because it, it wouldn't make sense for you to try and completely overhaul your diet if you're only sleeping three hours a night and smoking and doing all this other stuff. Yeah. It all needs to be related. And again, it's not about one individual superfood. It's not in, about, you know, if you have... I don't know, spirulina, it's going to make everything right. (laughs) Because we know that food has these multiple effects on the body, right? So it affects maybe maybe your gut microbiome, but maybe it also affects how flexible your blood vessels are. And that's important because your brain has this huge demand for blood flow and oxygen. So having flexible blood vessels is really important and certain foods can support that. Um, We know that certain fats actually make up the structure of the brain. So being able to take in those essential fats is going to be really important. So it's not about yeah focusing on one area, but really this broad spectrum, this broad intake of nutrients, this broad intake of fibre to support that gut microbiome. Yeah. And and also, you know, I'm going to bang on forever and ever and ever about essential fats. Um, Keep going. <laughs> because one of the things I think people really don't appreciate is that your brain is made up of fats that you're body can't produce. You have to get them from your diet. So these essential fats, they're called omega-3s, and in particular EPA and DHA. And these fats make up a third of the membrane of each of your brain cells. They come predominantly from oily fish and seafood. And if you're not therefore getting enough of those, then your brain can't use them and what it will do is to substitute different fats in in place of them which is not good because what's special about these fats is that they're very flexible so they allow things to cross the membrane appropriately into the cell and out of the cell and so if you don't have the right fats then the cell membrane can become inflexible and that can affect how your brain cells signal and communicate with each other ready to pop the question The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. If someone does want to start using food to strengthen their own mental health as part of their holistic Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. health, um, where does someone start? I would start probably with some quite simple switches. Um, So if you habitually eat 
white rice, white bread, then I would be switching to whole grain varieties. So doing what you can to increase that fibre. Um, also, leafy greens are hugely associated with better brain health. So what I sometimes suggest to people is literally, even if you're buying a shop-bought sandwich for your lunch, buy a bag of greens, have a handful of spinach in your sandwich so that you're also getting the benefit of the nutrients from those leafy greens. So it doesn't have to be, as I say, complex. You don't have to be slaving over a stove. You don't need to be chopping carrots for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> it's just about where you can add these things in. A handful of nuts is associated in all of the research to a handful of nuts a day. Um to better brain health. So, you know, can you snack on some nuts during the day? And and that's one thing. And it's about building up and accumulating all of these tiny changes so that, that over time they build up into a broader brain healthy lifestyle. Yeah. And what about then, just to come back to your point earlier mm. about omega-3s, mm. um, so they're essential, essential for the cells in our brain. What do people do if, you know, so many more people, people are becoming mm-hmm. vegan these days? Um, what should those people do? Are there other ways that they can get those essential fats? Yeah, the, the best and pretty much the only kind of dietitian recommended way is to take an algae-based DHA supplement. Because um, algae is essentially where the fish get it from in the first place. So the algae synthesize the DHA, then the fish eat it, and then we eat the fish and we kind of get it from them, along with some other nutrients. Right, um, okay. So you kind of so go to the source. You go to the source. You cut out the middleman and you go <laughs> to the source. Um, so if you don't eat fish, if you don't like the taste of fish, or you're on a plant-based or vegan diet, then we would be highly recommending that you be taking a supplement to make sure that you're not losing out on these essential fats. And I think on that note as well, making sure that vegans and people on plant-based diets are also taking a B12 supplement because B12, again, is another brain essential nutrient that is largely found in animal foods. And what we know about B12 is that it's so crucial for brain function that a deficiency in it can mimic dementia. It can cause problems like confusion, memory loss, what's called neuropathy, which is pins and needles and tingling Mm. and pain in the nerves. And if it's left too long, it can do irreparable damage. But if you catch it early enough, then the damage can be reversed. So DHA and B12 for vegans or people who don't eat very many animal foods. What are some more of the other really kind of key foods for mental health? It doesn't have to be specific ones Mm -hmm. or kind of groups that when people are building their shopping list, because there's a brilliant bit in your book when you've got a little checklist and it's (laughs) almost like, I love it. It's basically like an audit and it's like, how many of these things are you doing? (laughs) So can you tell um, the listeners what's on there? What they should Sure. Yeah. So I break down in the book into the big groups. So see if I can remember them. Um, (laughs) Leafy greens are a big one. So things like kale and spinach and watercress, trying to get some of those as often as possible, at least once a day if you can. Um, And I say things like spanakopita. So again, it doesn't have to be kind of big bowls of raw lettuce, but lovely Greek feta and greens pie counts, right? So find ways to to make greens more interesting. Um, Berries is in there and other kind of polyphenol-rich foods like green tea, like coffee, like dark chocolate. So these foods that are rich in polyphenols or the kind of colour compounds, so brightly coloured fruits and vegetables, um, are thought to be quite important. And most of the research is around blueberries because when you do studies, you have to break them down into like an individual ingredient. But we know that foods like blueberries can increase that perfusion, so that blood flow to the brain, and that's associated with better concentration, attention, memory function, and 
um, cognitive flexibility. So you can improve your performance through the foods that you eat. Um, then there's a big group around uh, fibre. And in that fibre group, so all of the whole grains are in there. Yeah. But I also include what's called cold carbs. So carbs have been cooked and cooled. So things like potato salad or pasta salad or sushi, where you've got cooked and cooled rice. What happens when you cook and cool a carbohydrate is you change the molecular structure. You make it difficult for the stomach to break it down into sugars, but you make it available to the gut. It's called resistant starch. It resists digestion, but it ends up being a good source of food for the gut microbiome. So that can be a good way. So if you like sushi, that's a great way. Um, Poke bowls are also really great because they also give you the essential fats if you have salmon on top um but also you know a mixture of vegetables and maybe you get a little bit of of kimchi or something on the side you get some fermented foods in there as well so that's great so that is a win for the whole gut brain it's really almost a perfect lunch (laughs) (laughs) and so delicious so good (laughs) um Okay, brilliant. And so, yeah, as you were saying before, it's important for these changes to become a habit, for them to have any noticeable effect. It's not about lionising one type of food and saying this is going to have a brilliant effect. It's this cumulative impact. There's so much about nutrition that is not properly understood, but we're looking much more now at overall dietary patterns, not individual foods, not individual foods that are excluded but how your diet looks broadly over an expanse of time. Mm. So it might be that, for example, you have one day where you've mostly just eaten Haribo. I don't know. You've just gone for the pick and mix. Um, we wouldn't necessarily say that that was a problem if more broadly you have a much more balanced diet that's rich in you know, fruits and vegetables, nuts, seeds and, and oily fish. So it's not about saying this one thing is terrible for you, never eat it again. It's about taking a much more generous overview of your mm. overall diet. And yeah, so much of the way that we eat is habitual, right? We stumble down the stairs in the morning and prefer probably the same breakfast we had the day before. Um, and and so, so few people are really thinking about the variety. So it's really about trying to encourage people to think a little bit more broadly outside of their cereal box and thinking about other things that they can add in just to add that little bit of diversity and also additional nutrients into their food. Interesting. So we talked there about the poke bowl being the almost quote unquote perfect lunch and blueberries being like Mm -hmm. a really great snack. Um, What else would be a really good breakfast and dinner? So you might want to go one of two ways. So oats is a really good way to start so or any and I like to say again think about the variety so what you can do is pick up uh, a muesli base and what that is is a mixture of oats rye barley um, and wheat flakes and spelt flakes and use that as your porridge base so again it still tastes like porridge same texture as porridge but you're getting more diversity in the types of fibers that you're you're taking in right super simple switch um, and if you top that with some chopped mixed nuts maybe some pumpkin seeds maybe some blueberries or sliced banana then actually you're getting a really good mix of fibres. Polyphenols, oily fats, fibres. And if you put a dollop of yoghurt on top of that, then almost we're (laughs) laughing, right? Um, On the savoury side, eggs is a great start. Eggs are really rich in a chemical called choline. And choline makes up a neurotransmitter called acetylcholine, which is essential in the brain for learning and memory. And again, this is one of the things that we're concerned about people who aren't eating very many um, animal foods, not getting enough choline. Mm. It is in plant foods. You just need to make sure you're getting enough of them. Um, So if you wanted to have 
eggs on whole grain toast or maybe going to revive a classic and have kippers and poached eggs so then you'd be getting again those oily fats um the choline the b vitamins and if you're having it with some whole grain toast some fiber as well perfect and what about dinner dinner i think again it's about making your regular meals just a little bit more sort of brain friendly if you like so if you're someone who just loves a bowl of pasta, I'd be saying have whole grain pasta with a homemade tomato sauce, throw in a handful of spinach or have a side salad. Um, and then maybe, again, if you'd want to add in some tin sardines or some mussels to add in that little bit of seafood. So if your normal evening meal is pasta and sauce there are ways that you can kind of just pimp it up a little bit yeah no i love that and also the way that because we think of fish as being very expensive yeah but actually looking some of the most nutritious fish is actually the stuff that comes in the little tins absolutely and there's no problem with them at all i eat tin fished a lot um and people are very concerned about things like mercury and the general recommendation is that if you're eating the smaller fish so sardines and mackerel pilchards then they accumulate much less mercury and you should be fine this is a really positive conversation it's so much more fun to think about what we can put in and what mm-hmm. we can do rather than saying don't do this don't do that um but we talked about sugar mm. so there is there is research isn't there to say that sugar can have a detrimental impact on mental health so it's not simply sugar what the evidence seems to suggest is particularly sugar sweetened beverages that are problematic in as far as it's a very unnatural amount of sugar that gets absorbed very very quickly into the bloodstream so you know there's there isn't really any evidence to say having you know a slice of cake is pro-inflammatory no but it tends to be diets that are a rich in sugar sweetened beverages and rich in refined carbohydrate foods because they tend to be low in fibre. So it's a kind of a seesaw. Sure. So people often look at it and say, oh, it's the sugar. Actually, it might be the lack of fibre, which is a bigger problem. Totally. And when we say sugar, we think sugar is the molecule as opposed to sugary sweet treats. But when we're talking about, say, sugary sweet, nutritionally vapid treats, which are okay to have, Mm -hmm. of course they're okay to have. If if someone wants to eat with their mental health in mind, Mm -hmm. is there a number or whatever that you think Um, people should be aiming towards so i would probably be saying stick with the evidence and the evidence suggests so again with the smiles trial that we're looking at around three times a week as well as putting in all of those other good foods and those supportive foods totally we also have to talk about alcohol (laughs) Uh what does what does alcohol do like what are the mechanics of what alcohol can do to have an impact on our mental health so alcohol has really what's called pleiotropic effects on the brain it affects lots of different neurotransmitters dopamine serotonin acetylcholine you know it it has this broad effect all over the brain so much of the research throws up a little bit of a paradox insofar as a very small amount so we're talking around or just less than a glass of red wine a day may be supportive of brain health people who tend to have a little bit to be moderate drinkers tend to have less risk of dementia for example than people who are teetotal Mm. however a few people drink that little (laughs) (laughs) you know if we're being honest um and also there is a very very clear tipping point with alcohol at which point it becomes neurotoxic first of all absolutely try to avoid binge drinking it's Mm -hmm. almost you know it's like punching your brain it's so bad for the brain it's just bad news um so binge drinking drinking um should be avoided as much as possible 
And you should be looking at having two alcohol-free days a week, non-consecutive, again, if possible for you, and then generally trying to stay within the NHS guidelines for alcohol. We will stick those in the show notes. So what effect then does alcohol have on conditions that maybe our listeners might be dealing with right now? So mm-hmm. things like maybe like their tendency towards depression or anxiety or panic. Sure. So we know that alcohol is a depressant. Um, And one of the bigger effects that it has on brain health is also the way that it disturbs sleep. Um, So people often have alcohol and they find it kind of knocks them out. It has a sedative effect. And that much is true. It does get you off to sleep faster. But what it will do is to prevent you getting good quality sleep. You get much more fractured, broken, fragmented sleep after a night of drinking. And what can also happen is that you have this kind of... (gasps) wake up at 3am when yes. the, the right? <laughs> I think when, everyone listening to that is like yep can think about the last time that happened <laughs> when the alcohol starts to be metabolised and basically a kind of mini alcohol withdrawal that happens if you've had you know a heavy night of drinking that's what wakes you up that's what wakes you up wow um It throws your body into a stress response and we know that stress is bad for the brain so we want to be doing that less often and also more kind of sociologically it is a disinhibitor so it lowers your inhibitions everybody knows that it makes you more talkative you talk to strangers you're staggering around makes you a great singer (laughs) right (laughs) great dancer but it also makes you more prone to risk you lose your capacity to make good decisions um, when you've been drinking and so if that is someone who's already struggling with a mental health condition we would consider that quite risky because you're more likely to make poor judgments, you know, take risks and perhaps make a decision that you wouldn't make sober. And then I guess it's harder as well if you're hungover or even if you're not properly hungover, but you've got that kind of brain fog that you have maybe from just a few glasses of wine. It's probably Mm. going to be so much harder to think, I'm going to buy that bag of spinach and put it in my sandwich (laughs) or I'm going to try something a bit different for tea. Like it makes sense then to say that if someone is struggling with um, a mental health issue, then limiting alcohol. Absolutely. And there are also those people who are constitutionally likely to become anxious after a night of drinking. So that's really important to point out as well, especially if people haven't made that connection. They might, you know, go out drinking with their friends or after work and then the next day wake up very, very, very anxious and think that it's an anxiety disorder or think that they've got having a panic attack when actually for them... It's their body's response to alcohol, their brain's response to alcohol. So that's something that they'll need to be watching out for as well. Interesting. So there's a lot of watching and listening to your own body. Absolutely. And working out what works for you. Okay. If there's one thing that's going to help people eat in a way that's going to be protective and positive for their mental health, what would it be? I am growing increasingly convinced that people are dangerously low in essential fats. Um, My concern is that most people aren't supplying their brain with the basic building blocks of what they need to be healthy. And we know, for example, that people who aren't getting those fats have smaller hippocampi, which is a part of the brain that's important for memory um, and tend to have worse memory performance. So I guess I would say... If you can, eat some oily fish. And if you don't eat oily fish, please supplement. Thank you very much, Kimberly, for coming on. And a reminder that Kimberly's debut book, How to Build a Healthy Brain, is out now. Um, And before I go, a reminder that as a Going for Goal listener, you have an exclusive discount to Women's Health Live. That's our three-day health, fitness and wellness festival that's taking place from the 3rd to the 5th of April. 
There you'll be able to catch some of the world's biggest fitness stars like Kayla Itzinas, Gillian Michaels and Anna Victoria, sweat your way through the biggest glasses in the capital and hear from over 100 top-tier health, fitness and nutrition professionals, including Kimberly. <laughs> for the full lineup, head to womenshealthlive.co.uk and for 10% off your ticket, enter Podcast 10 at the checkout. As always, keep reaching out and telling us the goals that you want to achieve and we could help you get there in an upcoming episode. But right now, it's bye from me and my guest. Bye-bye. Catch you next week. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.